Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Veteran Minority Podcast. Shout out to my man Beats by Jinx on the beat. So for all y'all aspiring rappers out there, uh, if you're looking for some fly beats, holla at my man Beats by Jinx. That's his Instagram. Uh, that's his Instagram uh, name. So hit that up. You can subscribe to the Veteran Minority Podcast on YouTube, Apple, uh, Google Play, Stitcher Radio. Uh, I think that's our no not SoundCloud but yeah that's it Apple Google Stitcher Radio and YouTube so that's where you can subscribe to the show all right so last week I was gonna drop my episode but I had some te- technical difficulties with my podcast equipment one of my cords went bad and the microphone wasn't working which caused me a heart attack I was like oh no I spent about $500 on this all this whole setup and I don't know it just went bad so I, I had to you know, repost the episode, past episode until I got myself back up and working. But I'm back up and working. And I appreciate all of you that are still tuned in, still committed to listening to what I got to say. Thank you for that. And here we go. So the first thing I want to talk about is what I was going to talk about last week is I saw a post by games manager WAC100. And I don't know what's wrong with the dude. He kind of always he's been on this thing for like the past year or so but he's been going at Tupac very heavily like he's been you know making little snide comments to his fans like Tupac wasn't no real G and Tupac wasn't no thug and Tupac was fake and Tupac wasn't no blood Tupac wasn't this Tupac wasn't that I don't I don't and my main thing and, and so most recently what he did was he took to Instagram and he posted a photo of Tupac with a shirt off and he had jeans on and sneakers and then he had a homeboy that was in a in the bed under the covers and they basically took a picture and he basically was he basically was trying to insinuate that Pac may have been bisexual and my whole thing about the, that is my whole thing about Wack and his assault on Tupac's legacy is what is your point ultimately um okay so if Tupac was bisexual what is your point if Tupac wasn't a thug what is your point I mean we understand most of us that are invested in Tupac's music we understand that you know he wasn't a perfect man he was off the chain, just to say the least. He got shot on both coasts. So, I mean, and he got murdered ultimately by his own self-destructive, reckless habits. So, these are things that we can readily identify as fans of Tupac, but that doesn't take away what the man stood for. And my thing, on top of that also is, he's not even here to defend himself. So, once again, my point to WAC 100 is, what's your point? The man has a, has a, has a, has a very solid legacy plethora of music that he left behind and he left behind a strong following of fans that still rock with him to this day still willing to defend him and fight his battles um and go against you and oppose you so i feel like a lot of these dudes they try to go at Pog to get you know to get some clout or get their name in the headlines i don't know what it's about but i just that's my question to whack is what's your point my brother why the man's not here to defend himself obviously people still rock with his music people love the legacy that he left behind and you want to attack it and tear it down same thing that they're doing with this um, Michael Jackson documentary at Sundance. Michael Jackson went to court. He was proven innocent. And now you want to come with this documentary saying that 
well, the accusers, after they were proven to be liars, the accusers are saying that he did do it. And now it's just all this big thing. And I don't know what is it about attacking a black man's legacy. It did. It happened to Bill Cosby, too. People not only want to throw Bill Cosby in jail, they want to tear down everything that he built. And, you know, and whether you believe Bill Cosby's innocent or not, I'm not trying to rehash that, but really the Tupac thing is like, why are you trying to tear this man's legacy down? Same thing with the Michael Jackson. Why are y'all trying to slander this man's image? And these both of these men are dead. They're not here to defend themselves. You know, they're, well, Tupac really don't have much of his mama died. I think he might have some. His stepbrother's still alive, and I think Mutulu Shakur, he's alive. But, you know... They're not here to speak on their own behalf. And good on my, and not to jump around a little bit, but I want to say this. Shout out to the Jackson family. They released a statement basically condemning that never leaving Neverland documentary that came out. That's basically trying to trash the legacy of Michael Jackson. And that's why I'm kind of speaking up about Pac. I'm a Pac fan. I would say Pac has influenced some of my, and still does, some of my decisions that I make in life as far as not, you know, the reckless ones that he did, but as far as, you know, challenging myself, trying to better myself. And uh, speak up, actually. That's one of the major things that I learned from Tupac's music was to speak up and challenge things. So, you know, I, don't, I just don't understand. It's, if he was bisexual, so what? That's his thing. That's his personal sexual habits. I ain't got nothing to do with me. I just listened to the man's music. And the man's music was something that I can agree with, something that I could identify with on a certain level. Um, and I just don't, I don't know. As a Tupac fan, you could say I'm a Tupac stan, whatever you want to call me. I'm just a fan of the man. I don't, I don't understand the tearing down of... His legacy, and like I said, they're trying to slander his image that he built for himself, that he carefully crafted for himself while he was here, and he was only here a brief time. So I don't, I don't know, whack, you're kind of a clown for that. Um, yeah, but that's, you know, that, that's just what it is about that. That brother, man, I don't know. Um, so we got the Super Bowl coming up, New England Patriots and the Los Angeles Rams, and that's pretty amazing how the Rams have went to, from a joke under Jeff Fisher to Super Bowl to moving to a new city. And now they're in the Super Bowl. So the glow up is really definitely real out in LA. It's, it's, a, it's a very good thing to see. Very exciting thing for the people. I'm sure the fans of LA, I got you know some of my friends. Shout out my man Monroe. I know he happy about it because the Rams sure had their doldrums as far as being 8-8, eight 8-8, eight, eight eight, missing the playoffs, 5-11. Sam Bradford, Nick Foles, all these bum quarterbacks that they had. And now they back primetime. They back where... I guess some people will say the Rams belong. I don't know, but I'm happy for that. Now they're going up against, you know, the immovable object, man. Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, no matter what they do, they can't be defeated. And I did say right here on this podcast, I did say that I thought that Patrick Mahomes would get the job done. But I also did say that if there was any impediment to all his talent as a as a young quarterback, it would be his experience and what he couldn't, what he wasn't allowed to do, and that and that showed up a little bit. Um, he made some some terrible plays in the game, not terrible, but he made some bad decisions in the game, which comes with a young quarterback. But once I said, and I'm gonna stick by what I'm saying, once he figures it out, nobody's gonna be able to mess with the Chiefs. Once Patrick Mahomes figures out the game and understands how to read defense. And audible plays and stuff like that. Nobody's going to be able to stop the Chiefs offensively. Now, the defense is always going to be... Um, I want to say always going to be. But the defense has been and was, you know, a liability for them this season. And predictably, people would say that that would get them down. But I was speaking towards more towards... I thought Patrick Mahomes could overcome the defense. And he almost did. He almost did. But he didn't. And I, I think that's more about his own inexperience than it is the defense. Because he didn't have the ball a lot. And they put up 31 points and got the game in overtime. So that's just goes to show that what I was trying to say 
bear bore some fruit. Like the dude's offense is explosive. They only had the ball for like 21 minutes in the game, and they put up 31 points. Only three minutes in the fourth quarter, they put up 24 points in the fourth quarter. They put up 31 points. They put up 24 points in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, I, I just think that all of that is evidence to what I say. And once this young quarterback can figure it out, and like I said, learn to read defenses, learn how to not panic when the blitz is on. Because it was a like one play, you know, he kind of panicked on a blitz, on a zero blitz by Bill Belichick. He kind of just, just threw the ball away. He didn't try to audible. And he couldn't, I guess, because at his level and stage in the game, he's not able to audible out of plays and check out of plays. And that's cool. But, you know, the Patriots are what they are. And I'm not surprised that they're here. And I'm not even going to predict the Super Bowl because I just want to enjoy it. Because the Patriots, man... This is a great sports dynasty, and I think we all should enjoy it. And stop hating on Tom Brady. They've done some incredible things. I can honestly say that since I've been 11, I've been watching this. And I can't believe I'm still watching. So that's a testament to their greatness, to their commitment to their craft, him and Bill Belichick, and the whole organization. Because a lot of times in sports, they always like to give the, the quarterback the credit. But listen, man, when you run off nine Super Bowls, win five, when you appear in nine, they've appeared in nine. They've won five. It's like, come on, man. They're about to appear. They're, well, Sunday will make their ninth. Like I said, they've been, they've, 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 they've played in eight up to this point, and they've won five. So, I mean, come on, man. You, you got to give it up. As much as you may hate them, as much as Spygate and all that stuff, I get it. Spygate was a real thing, and, and they did cheat, and they got penalized for it. But even after Spygate, Deflategate, no matter what you try to say, they keep bringing it. So something, obviously, they're doing something right over there, aside from cheating. So you know, and obviously, we're gonna speak about. I want to speak about the elephant in the room too. As far as the New Orleans Saints uh, Rams game, I will say this: that call that um, Roby, I think his name Courtney Roby Coleman, I think that's his name. That obviously that was a, a blatant pass interference, no doubt about that. The refs just missed it, but I want I want to take a different look at it. I want to say that's I'm gonna say this: that is why the Saints didn't lose. The Saints didn't because of that play. The Saints did not win the game. But the Saints didn't lose the game because of that one play. Because not only did the Saints have to kick the field goal, they had their defense, which everybody was talking about how good it was all season. Even I was talking about their defense is good. Their defense allowed a late field goal, and Drew Brees turned the ball over in overtime. Now, people could play, oh, well, they were deflated. Look, man, that's crap. Because at the end of the day, the game still was on, and you still had a chance to go to the Super Bowl. You weren't out of it yet until you were out of it. So, it was an egregious call. It was terrible. I was, like, shocked. When I looked at it, like, whoa, I don't know how the refs missed that. I'm not going to get into the integrity of the game and start saying people got paid off. I just think people missed calls. But that one was was pretty blatant. And, you know, the Saints paid the price for that. But at the end of the day, Drew Brees still had the ball. They, they went into overtime. They, they, they flipped the coin. They won. They got the ball first. So what, put the, you see what Tom Brady did when he got the ball first. He put the game to bed. It wasn't – there was no – Tom Brady didn't leave any – Doubt he didn't leave any room for bit to say, oh well, this call should this call should have put us in Super Bowl. Tom Brady didn't care about that. He took the ball down. Whatever didn't happen in the game didn't happen. Whatever did happen in the game did happen. But all that all he knew is when they got the ball in overtime, he drove down, and got the touchdown. Drew Brees didn't, and that's why they lost the game. That's really why they lost the game. Now they didn't win the game because of the other call, but they lost the game because of Drew Brees's um, turnover. And I think as Saints fans, man, y'all need to accept that and stop crying. <laughs> Stop crying Nobody wanted you in Atlanta anyway um, So it's going to be a great Super Bowl Got the Rams, got the Patriots I hope, because everything goes in cycles So I hope That this is the end Of the 
Patriot of the Patriots reign. Uh, just for the simple fact that I would like to see Mahomes and them boys come up next year. And I know that if Tom Brady and them, I don't know. If Tom Brady and them, if, if, if something doesn't change in the AFC, man, this is going to get very boring. Because the Patriots have won, what is it? What is that like? There was they played in like how many AFC championships? I don't even remember. But like I said, they've gone to nine Super Bowls. This is amazing what we're seeing. So I'm hoping that Aaron Donald and Jared Goff, Todd Gurley. I hope these boys can get it done on Sunday. It's going to be a great game, a great matchup. Um, so you know, everybody enjoy it, man. I understand that you know we're supposed to be boycotting the NFL, but you know, ain't nothing wrong with watching the Super Bowl. Ain't nothing with watching the Super Bowl, man. Colin Kaepernick, he went back to the corporations anyway and got his money. So I mean, he's social justice warrior you could call him that at this point but you know it is what it is nike he's getting money from nike nike plays nike funds the nfl you know what i'm saying i mean what come on man they're all in bed with each other i mean the boycott what are we gonna do i know you know we, he's boycotting police brutality but we can continue on to speak up about those issues and things like that and like i said there's nothing wrong with enjoying the super bowl the super bowl is what it is so hope everybody out there man enjoy the super bowl this sunday chill with your family your friends or whatever get you some pizzas some chips enjoy it man it's gonna be fun it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a great game too and i won't predict it because i don't want to be wrong i'm tired of being wrong <laughs> but yes yeah, so now get to what i want to talk about especially on this episode right here is uh the presidential season is coming up the election season is coming up we're upon it and everybody's gonna be vying for the black vote Namely, uh, Kamala Harris. She announced on that she was running for president on Martin Luther King Day last week, which I didn't get. Like I said, I didn't get to speak on it because I was having diff- technical difficulties with my equipment. But I felt I felt like that was in poor taste. I felt like a lot of things politicians do are in poor taste. Um, that was definitely pandering, trying to come out and announce on the man's day instead of just letting Martin Luther King let us reminisce about that. Let us, you know, uh, make sure that we keep his real message alive and I hope I did that with my last episode instead of what the cherry pick media the white media the cherry the media that you the, the mainstream media tends to do they tend to cherry pick certain things that fit their narrative instead of to, the totality of Dr. King and you know when I saw that she announced I kind of was like yo wow okay and I fully expected her to do I fully expect whatever politician so in the race right now we got Kamala Harris we got Bernie Sanders we have uh Julian Castro um, I can't remember everybody But a lot of people have announced But I feel like Yeah she kind of She kind of set herself apart By announcing on Martin Luther King Day That was She saw the She took the opportunity And she sees it That's what politicians do And I don't have much respect for that And I know a lot of people um, I don't want to When I talk about her I really don't want to get into Her record Somehow I, We can't talk about her record Because if you talk about her record Somehow men are be, be, Men are being called misogynist For saying um, For pulling up this woman's record As a DA so I challenge you that if you're going to vote, I challenge everybody listening to this podcast, if you're going to vote in this election, please take your time and read up on the candidates, man, because we vote, in 2008, we voted for Obama, Barack Obama. I know I did. I didn't have a reason to. I just did because he was going to be the first black president. And part of me doesn't regret it. Part of me does. But at the end of the day, and the, and the reason why part of me regrets it is because... He didn't really change anything for black people And I think that was mainly our motivation for voting for him Was that we felt like a black president Was going to change something But the trick bag was pulled over The wool was pulled over our eyes by Barack Obama And that was a very clever thing The Democratic Party did to galvanize the black vote But One thing I do want to say is I think that backfired on them 
Yes, they did get it over on us. They got a president there who really didn't do anything. He really didn't challenge the status quo. He bailed out big corporations. He did a lot of things to keep um, the 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 like I said the status quo. He he did a lot of things to keep the way America is in place. He didn't. He wasn't the change that he said he was going to be. Partially because I understand he couldn't be. You when you're when you're when you're a politician, you you need money to run for votes. So you're really like to the mercy of like your donors and. You know, I guess we just had a very naive or politically immature view of or immature view of what Barack Obama could do and would do for his black the black people that voted for him. And I didn't vote in 2012, and I didn't vote in 2016 either, because um, I didn't want to vote for Hillary and I didn't want to vote for Donald Trump. And there was some confusion when I went to go vote, so I'm happy I didn't vote. Because and what I, what I mean when I say I think it backfired is because in in propping up a black candidate in 2008, what the Democratic Party and the nation ended up seeing was that when black people are motivated, we turn out in record number to vote. And what they're trying to do with Kamala Harris at this point is tap back into that. They're trying to they're trying to you know use another angle to get the, their their power back. And they're going to use her. She's a woman. She's a woman of color, whatever that means. Um, and they're going to try to use her record to pander to us. So, you know, she went to Howard University, which I'll say, as somebody who's attending a historically black college right now, just because you go to a historically black college don't mean you're down for black people. I'm seeing that firsthand. And if you look at Kamala Harris's record, which I won't touch on, and if it did not sound like a misogynist somehow... Just go read it up. She is not down for black people. She does not have a lot of her policies or things. A lot of things in her past are things that if black, if anybody, if a white man did these things, or even a white woman, because we can look at Hillary Clinton, even a white woman, if she did these things, black people would be like, "Nah, we're not voting for you. We're not rocking with you." But because she's a black woman, because she went to Howard, because she's part of this sisterhood, I understand that there's going to be black women who are who feel, you know. Like they're letting their their fellow woman down if they don't vote for her, which I think is very incorrect. And like I said, please go and research this woman. Look at what she's what she did in the state of California. Um, look at what she's done in the Senate, which was largely nothing. And before you go vote for her, because as black people, you know, we vote religiously and we vote out of tradition and we vote out of fear. Because I know one thing that I, that was brought to me when. Donald Trump, and I'm sure it was brought to a lot of you, was this whole notion of the lesser of two evils. Well, I don't vote for evil at all. That's my that's my stance going forward from from now on. And I've all, I'm also taking the stance that I'm not voting in any more national elections because when I read and study what politicians have done for the black community, by and large, nothing. They've done nothing. So I want to encourage more black people out there to not vote in national elections. Don't vote for the congressmen. Don't vote for your... Uh, Presidents, don't vote for these people. We have a whole congressional black caucus that we elect predominantly. We elect, and they've done nothing for us. They got they they got established in 1971. They got ignored by Richard Nixon, and the only way that he got them to sit down and listen to any of their issues is they had to protest. They 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 staged a protest. They they didn't go to his State of the Union address. So then he was like, "Oh, okay. So I'll listen down and talk to you." What that means, I don't know what that means because we haven't we haven't got anything from it. So fast forward, the only things that Congressional Black Caucus have gotten done since since 1971, which is what 47 years, 48 years now, 
is they got the Martin Luther King holiday, which was vehemently opposed, but they did get that, which I don't know. You could look at that like, oh, we got a day off. And I guess if that's all you care about, if you like stuff like that, um, they got sanctions passed on apartheid, which were half-baked and half-cocked because they were... The, the Republicans in Congress wanted to lift the sanctions. So from and then so it was like from eighty six to ninety three, they went back and forth with putting sanctions on South Africa and then lifting them and putting them on and lifting them. And then in ninety two, I mean in ninety one, they put them on again and then they lifted them again. And then the de- most damning thing that the Congressional Black Caucus is responsible for, according to my research, and you can you can all look this up yourselves. This is all public information. Is that crime bill? That everybody was so mad at Hillary Clinton for in 2016 and all the black people were galvanized to not vote for Hillary for. Well, the only way that crime bill was able to get passed was the um, Congressional Black Caucus caved in their opposition to it. For what? I don't know. But they caved. They just, I don't know. They, they, they were like, hey, you know, we'll vote for this bill. So the people in, co- in the Congressional Black Congress don't do anything for us as black Americans. So forget about that. Don't vote in national elections. Don't vote for president. Because like I said, historically, you we don't ever get anything. The Latino community, and this is not a shot, this is not a shot of the Latino community. This is actually, I look at the Latino community with a great deal of respect. The Latino community got DACA. They got something that allows their people who come here illegally to, and if they have children, to stay here and you know, as a as a kind of political asylum sort of thing. Um, a lot of the most more liberal areas in the country have created this thing called sanctuary cities. So I say that to say when you speak up for yourself, which black people don't, when you speak up for yourself, like the Latino community does, like the gay community does, like the white gay community does anyway, you get things done for yourself. <laughs> But black people, we have this thing where we're scared to speak up for us because we feel like we're being selfish. But we're not being selfish. And guess what? Being selfish is not always bad, especially when it comes in terms to survival. We've been in this country since before it was the United States. We fought in every single war for this country, and yet we're still at the bottom of every metric. And I'm fed up with it. And the national government is not going to do anything about it because they've already proven that they don't do anything about it. Um... They don't care about what our issues are in our communities on a national level, I'll say, because I think we need to redirect our focus. When we say black lives matter, they say all lives matter. Then they say blue lives matter. And then they pass a blue lives matter bill, which got the approval of some black um, congressman, Keith Ellison. I'm calling you out because you voted for that crap. And it made... We, we, we get shot by cops, so we have a social outcry, and we say, yo, we need, we need help. We need legislation. And the Congress says, okay, and they give you the big middle finger, and they pass a Blue Lives Matter bill. Not only do they do that, the Democratic, um, the, the DCC, they told, they passed a little clandestine email, and if it wasn't for WikiLeaks, we wouldn't know about this, but they passed down this clandestine email where they say, you know, hey, don't 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 show this email to anybody. You don't you only speak about this to people directly, never over the phone, this and that. On some real mob ish, and they tell people, they tell their they tell their uh, candidates, don't speak to Black Lives Matter activists about concrete policy. So everywhere we turn, 
our government shows us, especially our national government, shows us they don't care about us. They don't mention us by name. They only mention us in, in lumped into groups. They say people of color. They, they call us minorities. We're not minorities and we're not people of color. We're black Americans and we have a very unique history with this nation. And we need to stand up and speak to that. And stop being scared. Stop being afraid. Stop feeling like you have to couch and splinter yourself off and hide behind your homosexuality or hide behind your womanhood. No. If you're a black gay, you're black. If you're a black woman, you're still black. And we need to circle our own wagons and we need to, you know, be in lockstep with each other so that we can get some tangibles from these people if we're going to continuously vote for them since everybody wants to vote for them and in the black community we always telling people to vote democrat we don't know why we're voting democrat it's just vote democrat all the way down the board but when you study the history of both parties both parties are rooted in racism anti-black racism so what are we doing we're just playing ourselves and i feel and and now the voting block is changing you got black millennials we're coming into our power we're coming into our own and we're realizing like yo man these these people don't do anything for us so withdraw from the system Focus on tangible things that you can do for yourself, such as your own wealth building, personal wealth building, educating your children if you have them, you know, and giving them skills besides, you know, sports and things like that, giving them other things. Um, And your spirit, because at the end of the day, black people, we're a broken people mentally and spiritually. We have a lot of toxicity in us that we need to uh, get corrected. So these are things that we can do instead of voting. Because we vote, we vote, and we vote, and we get nothing. All these politicians, there's, there's a video that I posted on my Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, DMC for President. But there's this politician, I don't know who he is. Some guy, Republican uh, Max something. I forgot his name, forgot his last name, Max something. But he's speaking to a group of black, his, his black constituents, and it breaks out into like this twerk fest. And I'm, I'm tired of that. And, and black people, you should be tired of that. Every time we get around Hillary Clinton or any of these politicians, they want to show us how down they are with black entertainment and the black community and how much they know about our music and how much they identify with the dances and, you know, the, the, the what's going on in our culture. And, and that's very disrespectful to us because, like I said, once again, we have a very unique history with this country that still is, that still is prevalent today. This country is rooted in anti-black racism and we continue to participate in their system without reaping any of the benefits and every other group around us reaps benefits somehow some way and if you're one of those people that believe well man you know we can't ask for something too black because they're never going to give it to us well then you're just proving my point so don't be a sheep don't be a, don't be stupid i'm just going to say it. don't be stupid voting matters in blocks and black people we have a very powerful voting block as as evidence and there's evidence of that in the 2012 and 2008 elections even the democratic party knows this every politician knows this bernie sanders they all know this they know this because because at the same because black people we usually vote all one way which has been democratic and yes some of us want to vote republican some of us vote democratic but the vast i mean uh, independent but the vast majority of black people vote democratic but the vast majority of black people withhold our vote we can get tangibles we have to barter we have to use our power to barter and get something from this government because this government has given us nothing except their asses to kiss and middle fingers. Really? Excuse me. Excuse me. So keep that in mind as you we're going through this. And I'm, and I'm going to keep, um, every time I do an episode, I'm going to keep speaking to this because I, I want people, I want to drill this into people's minds, especially, well, black Americans. I want to drill this into black people's minds. So if you're black and you're listening to this, what you want, this is why I want to listen to this. Don't vote, man, in this election coming up. I don't care how it sounds. Oh, that's ignorant. That's not ignorant. Voting without understanding who your candidates are, voting out of tradition and fear, that's ignorant. 
understanding the history of your vote and what you've gotten from voting and understanding the context in which you vote and understanding the context in which you exist in this country and you're, you make a choice to withhold your vote, not just not vote, because I, I will say this, we should vote in local elections because locally is where we're going to be able to get the most done. You know what I mean? Uh, I, was, I was listening to Fox News the other day. They had this bishop on there. He was talking about that whole Covington situation, which is just weird. But Laura Ingram, she was saying something about how the how Congress passed criminal justice reform. And isn't that something that you could be proud of as a black American? Criminal justice reform? Because all black people are criminals, obviously. <laughs> Even though we're all not. The vast majority of us are not. So I was like, okay, you passed criminal justice reform. So I looked it up. I looked up this bill. This bill passed by the federal government only affects 10% of, of prisons. And I understand that that's better than nothing. So I'm not trying to poo-poo that or trying to say, oh, whatever, that's not important. But what I'm saying is the vast majority of what we're going to be able to get done is done on a state level. It's always been that way in America. The state, most of your educational funding is going to come from the state. Yeah, the federal government gives a little bit of money here and there, but the federal government funds things like uh, welfare and social justice and military, social justice, social welfare programs and military and things of that nature. They don't fund education or uh, like the state prisons. They don't, they don't have anything to do with that. So that's what I'm saying. Turn your turn your focus from the presidency and Congress. Because they're largely all of them in Congress, white and black, to be honest with you. They don't do anything. They don't do anything. They just talk and they talk and they talk. And, and then they wait for a big scandal to come up. And then they look for their opportunity to go to the presidency or vice presidency or secretary of state or whatever. They're looking for positions of prestige to build their legacy. That's all it's about is their own legacy. It's not about you because if it was about you, you would have got it done. And I'm speaking to black people when I say that. If it was about you, they would have done things. Now, we can point to different instances throughout the United States history where when the American people needed it, the presidents did do things. And it shows, and that's just evidence to me of the power of the government when it wants to do something. So, the message for me is very simple. Don't vote in national elections. Only vote in local elections so vote for your, your sheriffs and your county commissioners and all these things because those are the way that you're going to be able to get you know some of the the jail things done again uh some of the prison sentences lightened up and um your sheriff that matters some of the police reform that you seek you can do that better on a local level because especially in cities like atlanta and dallas and houston there is no excuse why black people were not organizing in those cities and getting things done politically so yeah um, that's all I have to say about that Just keep that in mind as we go Like I said, I'm going to keep banging that drum Because the election season is upon us And black people, we need to stop being politically stupid And politically naive and politically immature We need to grow up And we need to start treating our vote with the level of power That it actually has Instead of just giving it away Because Hillary says she has hot sauce in her bag Or Kamala Harris went to Howard I don't, what, does that, what does that mean? That doesn't mean anything to me There's a lot of people, there's a lot of black people that graduate college That still don't care about other black people Alright? So now you can follow me on Twitter at DMC for president. You can, like I said, once again, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and YouTube. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. And for those of you that are interested, I do a radio show Fridays, 10 to 1, called The Kickback. 10 to 1 a.m. called The Kickback. Uh, WAM 90.5. If you download the TuneIn app, you can stream me while you're moving around the city, getting ready, you know, if you're going to hit the club or whatever. I got all the music and all the little topics of the week for you. So, yeah, um, function with your boy. 
Until next week, y'all. Peace.